This is the new Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 Hi FM. Now, Gilly Apter is a stand-up comedian as well as a TV writer and director, and she started a stand-up in 2015 and has performed with some of the giants of South Africa, including Celeste Ntuli, Nick Rabinovitz, and of course, uh, Trevor Noah. And she has uh, a new show coming up on on netflix if you're a netflix watcher uh called only jokes allowed and so we thought we'd get her on the show gilly welcome to the new blue review thanks for being on high fam good morning and thanks for having me benji now i'd like to happy valentine's day by the way happy valentine's day Thank you, thank you. And if anyone is listening, I'm I'm all open for dates uh, this evening because I have none. Well, look, I am um, I am not. I don't celebrate any non-Jewish holidays, but oh, well, you, you know, go. I want to be respectful of those who believe uh, in love. Let's just be, you know, let's just have that, respect, you know, for other people's beliefs. I think we're, I think we're going to get into the, the love element later on. But for a start, I want to start with you, with the comedy. I mean, you 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 come from a family that's famous more for cooking than for comedy, so. How True. how did you get into how did you get into this? I got into it because I've always been in comedy in one way or another. I'm a writer and a director, and all of my stuff that I've ever wanted to do was only ever comedy. Um, and I had a lot of comedian friends. I wrote for comedians, and I had a lot of encouragement. And I eventually took the leap and started doing stand up myself because I was like, I'm writing jokes for all these people. I might as well start writing them for me. Now let's talk about the joke writing process because I think. You know, for people who are just audience members who enjoy comedy, who maybe just want to have a laugh, you don't really think about the process that goes in mm. behind it. Uh, and I get the sense that maybe it's sort of like making a sausage, right? You enjoy it uh, while you're eating it, but you don't really want to know how it's made. Is that, is that how joke writing works for comedy? Uh, yeah, I think so. And I think people think it's kind of like magic, except with magic, people know that there's something happening that they don't know about. Whereas with stand-up, especially, people think... Most people think what you're doing is just talking, and they don't understand that there's an immense amount of craft that goes into it. it, it talk us through that process, right? You you wanting to think about some mm. of your stand-up, you want to do a new show. What does that look like to start to say, okay, how do I how do I conceptualize this and then and then roll it out so, so that we start to see the the finished product of you on stage? You know. So it's it's quite challenging, and different comedians have different approaches. I mean, one thing I always say to to people who don't understand the craft of comedy is that, you know, we all, we're all, everyone has funny thoughts. We all share funny thoughts. We all see something that we think is funny. And then, you know, you hear a comedian say it and you're like, but I thought that I also thought of that. But the difference between the comedian and the average person who is funny is that the comedian will not stop thinking about that thing that they saw that day. But that's what, like, I'm going to see something funny that I observe and I'm going to spend a lot of time thinking about it, developing it, then that night I'm going to go on stage and talk about it. I try to go up with a joke ready, like a punchline, you know what I mean? And that's the very, like, uh, basic seed of how a whole show is developed. You know, you'll have a lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts, a lot of themes you want to discuss, and you start to develop them. I, I used to do this, um, I used to sit and write every joke out word for word with beats and pauses and everything, and... As I've progressed, I do it less and less to the point where now I, I start to develop it on stage. And a lot of comedians do that as well. They will take an idea, they're not sure where they're going to go with it, and they develop it while they're on stage. And so it's a combination of factors. You know, sometimes you're on stage, you think of something. Sometimes you sit down and actually write material. 
And for a show, like you asked, when it comes to doing a show and you've got a lot of material, then then yes, I tend to write down a lot of different, all of my jokes, I write them down, there's a lot of them, and then start to tamper with the order. What's the beginning? What's the end? Can I form a narrative here? You know, is there a thing that does match? Is there a thing that doesn't match? You know, so it's just basically, yeah, it's a, it's a writing process. And of course, you are testing it out on stage, but that does come with some risk because if you haven't tried it out with an audience or it is a sort of new, you, you kind of need to see, I imagine, how the audience will react. Yes. So we've got a lot of, um, you know, what often what we do is we test material at shows that are what's known as open mic shows where um, you'll, you'll go to a show that is free, usually, and and uh, as a comedian, you're not. The benefit of that is that you get to go up. There isn't a lot of, uh, like, there's not a lot of responsibility in that environment for, you know, entertaining an audience who hasn't paid necessarily. So that what you do is you get the opportunity to test your material on them. And it's really the only way to do it. I mean, sometimes I will think of something and I will know without a doubt that it will work. But that's the rare case. When things get a little bit more developed and something is a little bit longer or a, or a subject matter is a bit riskier, that's when you have to take it in front of an audience and, you know, you, you, there's no other way to test stand-up except for in front of an audience. It's a very free market uh, in, in that respect. Yes. Now, comedians are supposed to be able to laugh at anything and everything. Uh, I imagine that... Says the, who? <laughs> isn't, that like the, isn't that the official bro code of the comedians? You have to be able to laugh at everything, right? No, I think that's the, that's the, that's the, you said it, bro code, which is like, that's what the, the, the fantasy is, because you will see comedians telling audience members, you know, I'll hear a lot of comedians saying how audience members are too sensitive. And then in the next moment, you will see a comedian being offended by another comedian. So there's, there's inter-comedian offendedness. I hadn't heard of this before. Of course, of course. You know, we all, we all get offended. Last night, a guy approached me after a show and he, he told me that he wants to start doing stand-up and that he believes that audiences are too sensitive and too easily offended. And I just... I don't really believe that. I believe that you, you, yes, you must have freedom of speech and you, you know, should be able to say whatever you want. But as the artist, it's your responsibility to shoulder the response and the consequence of what you say. So, and it's your, it's your job as a comedian and an artist to, to also learn and intuit what it is that people are offended by. And if you have a message and something you want to get across, that's a challenge. That's challenging. It's your responsibility to figure out how to say it in a way that it makes made that you make sure it gets through to people. It's not their responsibility to hear it the right way. It's your responsibility to say it the right way. Now, one of the things I imagine has not been so funny as a comedian in the last two years has been Corona, because I suspect that live shows have have dried up a bit. But you've managed to have sort of time uh, squeeze through the space time continuum, continuum mm. of Corona and still managed to do some show. <laughs> What's that been like? That's a very, uh, I like the way you put that because that is how it's felt. I have just squeezed through. Yeah, I, look, I went on tour in 2021. I went to Europe. And because I was preparing for shooting this Netflix special, uh, which I'll tell you about, but I was preparing for something very big and I, I could not pass up the opportunity to to work for that opportunity. I couldn't pass up the, you know, the work that I had to do for that opportunity. So I had to make a plan stat when um when i got that chance you know but it, it wasn't easy i was traveling i was traveling during like uh, uh mid mid 2021 in during covid where rules were constantly changing the ground was shifting underneath my feet at all times i was going from country to country in europe 
on tour, um, constantly having to be tested, constantly uh, anxious about documents at chicken counters. It wasn't simple, but I did it. And, and, and do the Europeans still have live shows? I mean, I don't think that in South Africa we've had too much in the way of live shows for, well, I suppose, in the last six months. The Europeans months, had live something. shows. The, their rules were very different from, from place to place. You know, like in Germany, they were uh, they were very obviously well-managed well, uh, restrictions um, in places like Germany, in Austria, in Switzerland. And then you've got places like... Um, you know, cities like in Lithuania that we went to that had less restrictions. Um, you know, we played to a crowd of 250 people one night in Riga. So, yeah, varied a lot. But, but even in that show, people had to wear masks. They had to come in with their vaccination certificate. Um, so they were quite strict in how they managed it. Very, very interesting. We're talking mm. to Gilly Apter today. She is uh, our local uh, Sarah Silverman, and uh, we are talking to her about comedy and South Africa and everything in between on 101.9 High FM. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 Chai FM, I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New Blue Review, and we're talking to comedian and writer-director uh, Gilly Apter today on the show about her new upcoming Netflix special as well as her comedy in general and Gilly I was thinking the other day back to about I must have been 2008 2009 it was the first time that Israel had in uh, had had its fight with Gaza and I went to a comedy show in Melville at Cool Runnings in in the dungeon which once you're in you can't get out mm -hmm. uh, and it was in the middle of the war and a comedian who happened to be Muslim decided that he was going to take out his frustrations on the war on the Jewish audience in dungeon and I have to say it's probably mm. one of the most uncomfortable I've ever been in a sort of a South African public space because you weren't sure do you leave the room do you take on the comedian uh, but it, it wasn't funny it was really really hostile and I actually remember like John Fismas coming on afterwards and then going after that comedian it was very kind of interesting and you you touch sometimes in your comedy about being Jewish in in and being a Jewish comedian and what that means uh, do you want to maybe give us a sense about what it's like especially in a South African context sure. Yeah, I mean, what was I'm, I'm very curious as to what the response of the audience was to that comedian uh, in your situation. I mean, it was it was interesting, you know, this this sort of thing we've become a lot more used to in South Africa, but back then it was still kind of novel, and I, I got the sense that the audience was a bit shocked actually. Mm. The guy was mm. angry. He wasn't. He was going on a rant. He wasn't really. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, he wasn't really trying to be funny. So I, you you got the sense that the audience itself was a bit uh, kind of taken aback by the whole thing. I hear you. You know, the thing is, when you're talking about, yeah, when you go on stage and talk about something that is tense, you know, you better come with fire stuff because you've got to be able to have something that's going to, like, raise people above the tension. And if you can't do that, it's, you know, it usually has a, a, a poor result and it makes people very uncomfortable. I mean, one of the great things about comedy, I can tell you this, is that I said this to the audience last night. You don't realize that there's more than one reason you go to stand-up comedy, especially live stand-up comedy. You don't just go to laugh. You go for a sense of thrill. And it's a thrill that you're not going to get when you're sitting at home and watching comedy on TV. It's a thrill that is part of the notion that you don't know what's going to happen. And you hope that that don't know is a good thing. But sometimes it isn't. I can tell you as a... I do talk about being Jewish on stage. And it sometimes tells me a lot, a lot about the audience. And what I mean by that is, 
depending on where in the world or in South Africa I'm performing, I get a sense for what the audience has been exposed to um, in their life and in their world, de- depending on their response to me talking about being Jewish and even mentioning being Jewish, because I have felt such a variety of responses to, I mean, I've, I've experienced outright anti-Semitism on stage. I can tell you that. I mean, I did a joke one time in, I think it was Bloemfontein, and I said, just talked about being Jewish. I, I said my opening premise, and a lady in the front row said something about, she, she just shouted out something like, yeah, they have big noses or something like that. Like, and, and, you know, all of her family members try to shush her, and it's a very, very big room. So most of the audience didn't hear her. Only I could hear her. And it was my first experience of being in that situation and actually feeling, I, I, I can't even call it more, it was more than offended. I was hurt. You know what I mean? Because even if you look at something like that and you and you say, okay, you know, I see that as blatant anti-Semitism, but, but even if you only see it as hurtful, you still have to wonder, how does that person conduct themselves in their lives? Why would you say something like that to anyone? You know, why would you say something like that to anyone, much less a person on a stage in front of you that's come to entertain you? So I, I will say that I experience at, at best a lot of, Uh, ignorance around Judaism, I have discovered through doing stand-up and talking about being Jewish that simply the fact that so many people um, in South Africa and in the world really don't know as much about Judaism as we think they do. Because we, I think, um, have grown up with this uh, Western and very American notion that our culture and our religion are represented in so many things, you know, in films, in TV, we've grown up with Seinfeld, we've, you know, we, we, we get this perception that people know about us. And in fact, what I have found is that they don't. And so a lot of the time, I've had to deal with a lot of ignorance. And, I, you know, I also don't think it's anybody's real responsibility, necessarily, to know everything about Judaism. I do expect people to know that it exists. But just like I don't know a lot about other religions and cultures, necessarily, I don't, I don't, blame people for a lack of knowledge. I do I do think that they that anti-Semitism of course is unacceptable. Very, so very interesting. Now in your in your current in current show you also talk um, uh, a little bit more intimately about relationships and, uh, and and what it's like on the on the dating scene at the moment. It is, it is Valentine's Day, so I might as well ask the question. I mean, are our good <laughs> Jewish boys in the community just not up for uh, for the challenge? You know what? You're asking the wrong girl, Benji. I have to tell you. I've, I'm retired from dating. Um, I, I purely use it for uh, you know my stand-up because it's uh, it's good content. No, I'm kidding. But the truth is, um, I, I don't have much to say on the subject except for jokes. To be honest with you, what would you like to know? Uh, well, I mean, uh, surely a, a, um, there should be a, a shatchan or a grandmother out there who's, who's helped to set you up with his good uh, Jewish. You know, story. many many have tried, but um, I won't say that it's a Jewish it's a Jewish issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm, it's I'm it's very men that are the problem. It's, it's not. No, absolutely not. I would not. I, me insult men? Why would I do that? Are you crazy? Men are angels. Um, no, it's not about that. I am definitely not focused on... I, I would let a Shadchan down, Benji. I would be a big disappointment, you know, because you would want to introduce me to your parents on a Friday night, and I'd be like, sorry, I've got a gig. I'm with my true love comedy. 
Now, let's talk about where that true love is going. Um, you you have a, a special on, on Netflix, Only Jokes Allowed. Uh, how long has it been running for? Um, it was released on Wednesday, so it's uh, it's out. It is out. You can watch it. It's 15 minutes. And, and, and by the way, can I just say, remind me to tell you what the response has been from men about this about this um, special. So it came out on Wednesday. You can watch it on Netflix. You can search Only Jokes Allowed on your Netflix or Gilly Apta or yeah, so those are about the two things you can search or any of the other comedians' names. Um, there's six of us, myself, Robbie Collins, Celeste Ntuli, Nina Hasty, and Paul Pops, and Skulk Bezadonot. And uh, each of us have a 15-minute episode. And it's us all doing stand-up. And it's kind of the first of its kind from South Africa. Netflix is a really interesting opportunity in that respect. Uh, I don't know that South African comedians have really been able to get a platform because really anyone can get uh, on Netflix those jokes now. Uh, it must have been a very interesting experience because they also, from what I understand, really demand quite high uh, production values and, and engagement. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a real journey working with Netflix. Absolutely. It's, um, listen, we, we were, you know, my first meeting with them was, I would say, early 2020. That was the first time we actually met. Then um, they called me to say, look, we've, we've narrowed down a list of people that we want to do uh, short specials with. Ordinarily, we would give you a more official communication, and we haven't necessarily confirmed everybody. We're telling you so that you can start getting prepared because they understood that it's, it's a pandemic, it's very hard for us to perform, and they wanted us to start thinking about what we were going to do because these things take time to prepare. You know, you can't just wake up and shoot 15 minutes of comedy um, you, you, you can, if you're, if you're, if you're in, in flow and you are constantly doing standup and you are not in a pandemic, but we were in the situation where we didn't get a lot of opportunities to perform and refine a set. So they wanted us to have as much time as possible to prepare. And that was honestly at the end, maybe August, 2020. And we shot a year later in September, 2021. And they were very thorough with everything from production to our sets, to what goes into them, they they advised, they read, they read, they listened to recordings. Yeah, it was very, very, um, very thorough. And uh, as you requested, what has the response been so far to the special? Well, the response has been very strong. I mean, it's it's hard to say. You know, people take their time to watch stuff. So, you know, the thing comes out on Wednesday. You think there's going to be a response on Thursday. There isn't. Some people wait for the weekend to watch. Some people still haven't heard of it. We got a lot of amazing feedback just for the fact that it existed, you know, and that it came out and then it launched a lot of support from South Africans, just just very a lot of support and excitement from South Africans that, that it was even a thing, you know, before anybody had even watched it. And since I would say the last couple of days, I've gotten also a lot of a lot of very strong feedback. I mean, I've got like 500 new Instagram followers in the last three days a lot of messages. We loved it. We loved what we were seeing. Well done. Brilliant. Hilarious. Lots of like, yeah, a lot of, I would say, majority by far positive feedback. But it remains to be seen. You know, we don't know. You still have to wait for people to actually see the stuff. Not everybody sits down immediately and watches what, you know, the stuff that comes out. Well, I think it's, it sounds like a it sounds like a good start and certainly worth watching. Uh, it is. And, and um, I will uh, add that... Uh, my, a lot of the response I get from men is, how's it? Watch your special. I'm funnier than you, but you're hot. 
I mean, I suppose it is a kind of a response. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> give that to them. <laughs> yes, I, I, yeah. A lot of a lot of dudes often tell me that they're funnier than me, and what I've told them is that I will immediately submit their names to Netflix uh, for season two because I'm sure you know when Netflix comes here, those are the people that they will approach uh, for the next season. You know, and they can't be missed. Well, big ups to you, Gilly, for just helping to expand the community and introducing us to Absolutely. people who are, who are even funnier than, than you Absolutely. are. That's really big of you. And, uh, that's no, it's how my pleasure. Grow. I'm just here to help, you know. I mean, talking of growing the community, uh, it, it's difficult, I imagine, to do comedy at the moment in South Africa uh, with, without, the, without using the N-word, right? Without, without talking about Trevor Noah. Um, <laughs> Like, yes. like, what effect well, has he had on, on, on the view of comedy, in uh, of South African comedy around the world? I'll tell you this, you know, something you have to accept very quickly as a South African comedian, if you want to have this as a career, if you want to do it at all, you simply have to accept the fact that you will have to basically be an unwitting part of Trevor Noah's PR team. You, you will always be asked about him to varying degrees. I have been asked questions from... You know, a simple question and a valid question like the one you've just asked, all the way to what's what's he like? What can you? But what is he really like? And honestly, like I have no idea how to answer that question because I don't have an answer. I've also been asked, like, can you connect me with him? Because actually, um, I've got a project that I'm working on, um, and I wondered if uh, maybe you could talk to him and get him involved. I get a lot of stuff like that. But the truth is, for the most part, when people want. To, to engage on that subject. It's something you have to accept. And quite honestly, I don't mind because the way I see it is, the big picture here is that he has certainly put South Africa on the map from a comedy perspective. And he's made comedy legitimate in the eyes of South Africans. You know, he's given comedy a lot of legitimacy. I think that because of his success, people look at this industry and look at you and what you're doing as a comedian as a valid career choice. And so... I don't, you know, I think it's all good and well. Uh, I don't take so much offense or think it's such a problem to have to, you know, talk about Trevor Noah. I think he's done a lot for us. Now, you, you are, besides, besides the Netflix element, you are still carrying on with your, your sort of live stand-up. Uh, how, yeah. how does that work? And do you tour around the country or is it just sort of, how, how, how is that process unfolding? Well, you know what the thing is, In uh, we used to have a lot of shows and gigs all around Johannesburg. After COVID, a lot of those did not last. Some of them still are around. Um, if you want to watch live comedy, for example, that's a little bit rough. That is maybe not refined. You want to go to an open mic show, there's one in Melville every Monday night at Sixes. There's one on a Tuesday night at Kitchener's in Bramfontein. There's one on a Wednesday at Shaker's in Maboneng. And, you know... You can go to those shows and you can do stand-up, but the problem is it's not enough. If you're trying to work material and trying to do an hour's show, you have to actually... Well, what I've discovered is now that I've got the confidence to do so, I didn't for a very long time because I wasn't proficient enough. Um, but now that I've got the confidence to do, do so, I've started putting on my own shows. And um, I put on a show right now every Sunday night at the Bioscope at 44 Stanley. As you know, you came to the show last week. And this, that show really is... I'm trying to create a comedy club feel. You know, I'm not necessarily trying to give you a show that has a beginning, a middle, and an end that's very neat, that has a narrative. You know, South Africans are not very okay with stand-up. They still expect to go to a theater-like experience. You know, and 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 the truth is, I'm trying to just do my stand-up and develop stand-up material in a way that is 
not too high pressure. The audience is quite small. You know, we've got like a, basically a max of 40 people in the room. And um, I've got some other acts who do what's known as open spots. You know, I was just going to do my own my own show, but then a lot of people asked me if they could perform as well on the lineup. So I've started to do a thing where I host the show, I introduce you to one or two acts, and then I do um, almost an hour after that. So it's it's I found that that's what I have to do at this stage. I have to create a space for myself um, to do comedy because no one's going to do it for me, and it's very hard to develop a lot of material five minutes at a time when there are not enough uh, stand-up shows currently in Joburg. Well, there you go. That uh, is uh, one certainly one way of, of understanding the scene and at least knowing what's out there. So, Gilly, if, if people do want to check you out, they can see you at the Bioscope every, uh, every Sunday? Yes. So every Sunday in February, and, you know, if you want to book tickets, you can go to the Bioscope's uh, Instagram account or website, or you can just go on my Instagram and you'll see the link. It's very, very easy. Um, one thing I want to say about this is, remember when you're coming to a show, you are coming to stand-up comedy. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about race. We talk about religion. We talk about sex. We talk about a lot of adult subject matter. And if you're very sensitive, I would advise you not to come. <laughs> but at the same time, remember we're all adults and we're talking about things that we're not talking about anything you haven't heard of before, I should hope. And it's a very exciting way to come in and also engage engage on things that you may not get to engage on on a on a on a daily basis you know where you know you're not going to come you're not going to in your circle whether you are regardless if you are white jewish black colored indian whatever it is you may not get an opportunity to in to really engage in a very honest way about those subjects and i think that that's it's really it's really it's fun and it's interesting and it'll open up your mind so from that perspective, I really do hope people come to shows. And you can book, like I said, very easily on my Instagram. It's called Funny Sundays with Gilly Apta at the Bioscope at 44 Stanley. Every Sunday in February, there are two more shows. And we have, we've had sold-out nights the last two Sundays, so hoping to sell the next two out as well. Yeah, and if you and if you are still a little bit coronaphobic and you can't stand 40 people in a room, uh, then definitely uh, second best option or even both uh, check out your Netflix special. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're, they're different shows and there's different material in both, so you can you can do both if you like. And, that, and that's called Jokes Only Allowed. Only Jokes Allowed. Only Jokes Allowed. Sorry, the, the, yes. The dyslexia kicking in there. <laughs> Gilly, thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, on the show today. Good luck for, for the rest of your work and uh, have a happy thank Valentine's you. Day. Thanks so much for having me. Happy Valentine's Day to you. I hope that um, you found what you're looking for. Benji, go out there and find what you're looking for. We'll, 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 we'll find it all. We'll find it all and hopefully it will be funny as well. Uh, Gilly Apter there joining us. Uh, go check out her Netflix special and uh, have a look uh, if you are keen on some uh, some inline, online, non-online comedy, in-person comedy. Go check out. Really well worth uh, the ticket price at the Bioscope on Sunday. Uh, and it's uh, yeah, really well worth doing. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is The New Blue Review.